Love it. Love it. I love our youth. What a great bunch of young people that just love Jesus. And it's, uh, and uh, what a team, what a great leadership team we have. And with Scott and Cindy and all the, the workers, what a great team. It's, it's just exciting to be up there with them because they, they're, uh, they're, they're the real deal. I just really love it. Well, this has been an a eventful week, um, and um, uh, some Supreme Court rulings that have um, made um, a big change in, uh, in so many things, and I, uh, um, you know, two of them that really stand out, I mean, there's more that, but two of them that were really directly impacting the body of Christ, the church. Um, one has to do with um, uh, Christian schools and uh, the, uh, the, the ruling uh, for Maine. And that one kind of has gotten passed over, but um, it, was, uh, it was really the Supreme Court said that um, in, the, in the case of Maine, they had money going out to parents to go to, to take the, so their kids could get in high schools, especially because of Maine, it's uh, so sparse po- population that there are places where they don't have schools, um, public schools, and they have private schools, and they were able to give them money to go to private schools, but they said it couldn't be Christian schools. It couldn't be, um, so, but the Supreme Court stepped in and said, oh no, oh no. You, uh, you better revisit that because there, you cannot um, discriminate based on religion. And that is a big open door. And if you are you know, aware of how some of that happens and how much uh, oppression of the, the, the Christian, when, when we want to raise our kids, you know, valuing the things that we value as followers of Christ, um, so much of that is oppressed and, in fact, attacked in the government schools. We call them public schools, but they're government schools. And, uh, and so this is a big shift for us, and it's a, it's a good one. The other one has been one many um, believers have been praying for for 50 years. And uh, we, uh, I remember um, when it first hit me, um, you know, as a follower of Jesus, because um, Woe v. Wade happened before I um, became a Christian. And, uh, and I remember I had quite a few, several of my friends who uh, walked through the abortion process and, and all of that. And in my mind, that was, you know, it was legal and it was fine and I had no idea. And then after coming to Christ and realizing what you know, the, the value of human life and God's value of that, that shifted in my mind completely. And, uh, and since that time, I have been um, adamant about making sure we understand um, the value of life and how, and how God sees it, how his word sees that. We have been, we've been consistent in that, not only speaking up for life, but also valuing, um, well, I think it's, uh, the numbers are one in four women that have children, one in four are uh, aborted, one in four, one in five. So understanding that in, in the church at any given time are, are, are many that who have probably walked through that in their life and how important it is to be the body of Christ for those who have gone through that process and, and to see God bring healing and, and strength. In fact, we've had, we had classes for many, many years and we had, um, we, we had I would say hundreds, over a hundred ladies go through the process of, um, of finding um, God's grace and mercy through that process in their life and bring healing, so many so that many of them became actually the teachers and leaders in that, um, 
you know, in those classes and uh, just loving seeing what Jesus can do in people's lives. Now we're in this new place. Half the country is um, limiting or outlawing completely abortion. The, the, the other half of the country hasn't, uh, hasn't gone that road. Our state has actually uh, increased the possibility by funding abortions and all the way to birth. And uh, so our state's got um, a, lot of, a lot of ways to go and uh, in all that. <clears throat> Since we've been in this attitude or heart, both for life and, um, and uh, for, for those who have been damaged through the abortion process, um, we wanted to put out a statement that is really in alignment with us. And this is going to go on our website, but I wanted to read it to you, especially in light of this uh, new ruling. At Cornerstone, we have always supported women and families providing ministries and support for mothers in crisis pregnancies and women who had experienced abortion before many in our community saw the need. We, we, uh, we, have, we have a foster and orphan ministry and uh, partner with local agencies to give them support. With the recent court ruling, we want to make it very clear we will be more intentional in offering care and support for moms keeping their babies. And this day, we affirm that the Cornerstone is a house of refuge. Here is our pledge. If you find yourself in an unplanned pregnancy, please know, know that being pregnant is not a sin, and the child you carry is not a punishment. It is a blessing. God is knitting this child in your womb. We may have made a sinful decision that led to this pregnancy, or you may have even been sin sinned against, but we want you to know you are loved, and we will do everything whatever it takes to help you carry and care for this precious child before and after birth. We can never support or encourage a woman to have an abortion because the child you carry is made in the image of God and is in, in, intrinsically valuable and loved by God. You need to know how we will respond. Here's what we won't do. The church family will not gossip about you, shame you, or abandon you. This is a house of refuge, and we will not allow for the family of God to harm one another with words or actions contrary to the love of God as revealed in his word. Here's what we will do. We will do everything in our power to remove whatever obstacles stand in the way of you having this child. There are people in this church ready to mentor you, uh, throw, throw you a baby shower, and connect you with resources inside and outside of our church, uh, <clears throat> local pregnancy care centers. <clears throat> we will also hold men accountable for living out their calling to provide and protect women and children. Finally, if you have ever had an abortion in your past, we want you to know that abortion is not an unforgivable sin. Whoever confesses and forsakes their sin fi finds mercy. If you have never gone through a post-abortion Bible study, we are happy to con connect you to one so that you can walk in complete healing and freedom. We believe that, <clears throat> and that's who we are. <clears throat> we really are... Uh, we are a place of refuge, and uh, I am so grateful for the hearts of people in this congregation and, uh, and the love that this congregation just exudes in, the, in, in our family. Well, today, I want to talk to you about being a blessing chaser, being, being a blessing chaser. And I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Let's ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all the good things you give us. Lord, we are a blessed people, and we're blessed because you are a blesser. And so, Lord, today I pray that you'll help us to, to learn and understand 
the principles of, of blessing to our lives and that God, we would be able to grow in this in our hearts and become the people that Lord, you have dreamt for us to be. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Being a, a blessing chaser is um, really, it's, it's, this bip is a biblical principle in, in the Bible. And, uh, and the person that I think when you want to look at being a blessing chaser, um, you have to look at the life of Jacob. Um, Jacob was a blessing chaser. And he didn't even know all that it was about. And he was a learner. And I, what I love about Jacob is that Jacob was so imperfect and yet received such blessing. I mean, I love that because I can identify. I can identify, you know, especially the imperfect part. I think all of us can. And J Jacob is a, an individual who received much blessing from God. And as you read his life story, you would think he doesn't deserve all the blessing he's getting. And uh, how many can identify with Jacob that way? I have received more blessing than I ever deserved. And it's the, you know, just the grace of God that has allowed that to happen in my life. And Jacob is that kind of individual. But Jacob valued God's blessing. He valued God's blessing. He, he valued the idea of God giving him favor, seeing the face of God in that way, and God being on his side. The, the, the scripture actually, when it uses the word bless or blessing or blessed, um, it's found um, almost 500 times, 495 times in the English Bible. And um, so it's, it's massive. I mean, it really is massive. It covers throughout the scripture, and to do a study on it is extensive, and I've been working on it. And uh, we're doing, going to do a few weeks on talking about this because I want you to know um, what is the blessing. I want you to know um, how you receive the blessing in your life. I want you to know how to be a blesser in, in, in your life. I, I think these are three things that are essential in, uh, in um, experiencing the blessing of God. Um, but to start with, I believe that, um, that to receive the blessing, at least the fullness of blessing in your life, you have to be a pursuer of blessing. You have to be one who desires the blessing of God in your life. And you would say, well, doesn't everybody? And the answer is absolutely not. No, not everybody does. In fact, many people, most people, live out their life without um, even considering God blessing them in their life. Sometimes people will pursue God for a blessing when they're in deep trouble. That's sometimes the way that they'll do it. But, but, some, but most people kind of just kind of live out their life, and if God does something good for them, well, it's good. And most of the time, they don't recognize when it, God is doing something good, that there is a blessing. You know, the scripture says that, that the sun, you know, sun shines on the just and the unjust, that rains on the just and the unjust. So even the just get a certain level of blessing. I mean, if you live and you breathe God's air, there's a certain level of blessing that comes to you, that God has given to you, that's God's grace that has come to you. But there is so much more than that, isn't there? And, uh, and, and the blessing can be divided up into three kind of areas. There, there's kind of general blessing. That's for everyone. Everyone gets blessed to a certain degree. In fact, the scripture says in Romans 1 that, um, that because we can see God's goodness, that the goodness of God is around us, that, that God is in has, has in creation in that he, he created, not that he's, you know, um, a part of, but, um, but God created all these wonderful things that we get to be blessed with, that the heart that is right will be thankful for that. And of course, the heart that isn't will not be. 
and sinks down into darkness when it's not thankful. But there is a blessing that comes to everyone. Everyone has something to be thankful for. No matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what kind of um, you know, uh, challenges you might be facing at this point in your life, you still have something that God's goodness has come toward you. And so there's general blessing. And then there's, I, I, I just call it special blessing. And it's really for a group of people or a nation. They're a national blessing. And when we look at, for instance, what God did excuse me, with the nation of Israel. There were seasons where, I mean, they were just blessed because they were part of a nation that, that it started out right. There was a blessing that came to that nation because of Abraham and his seed and the promises of God and that blessing. In fact, part of that blessing has never left, but it's certainly not the fullness of blessing that was intended so they had received blessing, but not everything that could have been in, 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 in that nation. So you have groups of people who will receive blessing in, 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 in that category. But then there's specific blessing, individual or family blessing that comes, that God brings blessing upon a group of people, a, a small group of people, a family, an individual that, uh, that carries on. Sometimes a family is blessed because of an individual that has received the blessing in, in their life, and God is fulfilling what he had said he would do and as a result of that, in that. So in this case, we're seeing a man who has been living with, not, maybe not even fully understanding, but living under the blessing of his grandpa, Okay, his grandpa was a man of God, and as a result, he's got some of the blessing from his grandpa. It came down through his dad, and now it's come through him and uh, to him in this way, and there's a process that this happened. And Jacob, though in spite of that, pursued the blessing of God. Now, the historian, I'm just going to give you a story before we actually get into some of the text here. Um, but um, if you remember the, the story of, of um, Jacob, he's, it, it really starts back with his, um, his mom and, and dad. And uh, his, his mother is pregnant with him and his brother. And he's a maternal t- twin. His brother is Esau. And, uh, and before they're born, they're wrestling Okay, um, because that's what boys do. And they're wrestling in the womb. And because they're wrestling, um, his mom asks God what's going on. And, uh, and, and God says to Rebecca that there are two nations, Genesis chapter 25 and 23. There are, there are two nations are in the womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the other shall, and the older shall serve the younger. So when they when they were born, Esau came out first, and Jacob came out holding the heel of his brother. So they were still wrestling as they're coming out, and the Bible mentions that for a specific reason because um, Jacob's name means heel catcher or or chaser. Or chaser. He's also, it's also supplanter. It's all those, all that that Hebrew word means is kind of in part of his character. And, uh, and, but he was the younger. And the prophecy said that the older would serve the younger. And that was remembered by Rebecca. She, she remembered what God said. In fact, because of that, I think there was a favoritism. She did. The scripture says that Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game. He was a hunter. And, but Rebecca loved Jacob. I think that stuck with her, that the younger, the older would serve the younger. And God had something in store for the younger, at least in her mind, as she heard that prophecy. And, uh, and so they grow. And uh, it seems like 
Jacob had somewhat of uh, more of a, uh, a spiritual bent toward him than Esau did. Esau did some kind of several rebellious things. One is when it was time to marry, he did not choose from those who his mom and dad approved of, but he went, in fact, to the Canaanite land, and he, and he chose a couple of wives from there, even though it would have and did offend his parents, and they were disappointed in that he had done that. But, but also, there was this instant that really defined Esau. Uh, he had been hunting as he was accustomed to doing, and he came home, and he was extremely hungry. Um, he, he exaggerated. He said he was going to die um, <clears throat> because he was hungry. But his brother was cooking, and he was cooking some lentil soup, and he had some bread, and, uh, and he said, let me have some of that. And his brother said, um, no, um, I'll, I'll tell you what, I have this. Um, but I want your birthright. I want something in exchange. Now, a birthright um, in those days uh, have, had to do really with the oldest. And it, it, I should say it was a custom that the oldest um, would, then the oldest male would have the birthright. And there was both responsibility to that and some advantages. The responsibility was that the oldest thou would be the one who would follow the father and keep the namesake. He would, he would take care of the family business, really kind of make sure that if they were farmers or whatever that they continued on, and he was responsible for that. Um, on, the, on, the good, on the positive side, he was to receive twice the inheritance, a minimum of twice the inheritance. So in this case, there would be um, you know, he would get double the amount of his brother when his father passed away. And, uh, and then uh, that, that would come to pass with what was called the blessing. So that the father would pass on the blessing that was given to him and pass that on to his son. Now, not in every case did the firstborn get this right. They could lose that right. In fact, Reuben, um, Jacob's oldest son, him later on, will have lost that right because he had sinned in such a way against his father and against the family and against God that that it was uh, you know that that Jacob decided that he didn't have the right to get have the you know to to, to have that birthright and didn't receive the blessing as a result of that. Now, the blessing would come to the, this oldest son who had the birthright. And Jacob said to him, you know, give me, give me the birthright. Swear to me that you will give me the birthright. That's found in, in the 25th chapter of Genesis. And, uh, and he did, and he gave him the lentil soup and bread. And there's a phrase um, that Moses writes down as he's writing this. He writes under the Holy Spirit, thus Esau despised his birthright. He despised it. He, he didn't want to have anything to do with the birthright. And he had paid for it. So he bargained it away. And it meant, you know, he wasn't going to get the, the double portion. Um, he wasn't going to be responsibility, responsible for his parents and his family business at the, at the inheritance. But also, that meant he was giving up the blessing. Now, later on in uh, the story that... Um, that dad has gotten real old. He's considering that it's time probably he's going to die. He's lost his, most of his eyesight, so he can't see well. And he goes to Esau, and he says, Son, go out there and get me some of that food I like. Go hunting and bring it back to me, and I'm going to bless you. 
And Rebecca overhears it. She takes Jacob aside and says, um, Dad is going to give the blessing to uh, Esau. Um, I want you, I'm going to make up some of the food he likes. I want you to go get some, you know, a couple of goats, bring them to me. We're going to do this up. And, uh, and you're going to go in while Dad is unsuspecting and act like you're Esau. And, uh, and you're going to receive the blessing. So they had, he had, she had connived something, possibly out of the prophecy was given and wanted to make sure it happened. And Esau goes along with it. In fact, I mean, Jacob goes along with it. And, uh, and he, you know, makes himself hairy with the, the goat hair and, and, uh, his, and wears his brother's clothing so he smells like him. And he deceives his dad. And it's a full deception. I've actually read commentators who have, like, tried to make it sound like Jacob didn't do really anything wrong. That, you know, he really was, you know, he wasn't really deceiving. He, he totally lied. I mean, he totally told his dad he was Esau. And, yeah, and he was, you know, and when his dad says, how did you get, get all this food so fast? He says, well, God bless me. <laughs> he was totally deceiving. But I want you to see that there's a positive side of him that did it the wrong way. I believe he would have got the blessing. He, it, God would have made it happen. God, if God said it's going to take place, it's going to take place without you sinning to make it work. Okay? So he had this passion. I mean, he, he connived his brother. That's what he does out of his birthright and he connived his dad and his brother out of the blessing. But deep in the, the soul of him and in, in the inner part of him was this desire for the blessing. He wanted the blessing. That's what I want you to see as a positive. Not how we did it, but how he wanted it. God will never, never see a negative in you wanting him to bless you. Not only that, it is the heart of God to bless you. Do you understand that God wants to bless you? He is a blessing God, if you can put it that way. He loves to bless his kids. He loves to bless them. He wants to, in fact, the, the work of Christ, the scripture says in Galatians, is that the, the, the sacrifice that Jesus made was so that we could have all blessing. We could have all blessing. And that the blessing of Abraham, you know, Jacob's grandpa, would actually come upon us. That we get that blessing as well because of Christ in our life. And so this, this pursuing of the blessing that, that Jacob had, but because he did it the wrong way, he had to run for his life. And things didn't go all, the, all well for him. In fact, the first thing that happens when his brother gets back is, you know, his brother basically says, I'm going to kill Jacob. Jacob's a dead man. And he meant it. And he's not a kid. These aren't two teenagers now. These are full-grown men. And he was going to kill his brother. And his, his mother heard of it and said, you know, you need to get out of here. And, uh, and the best place to go for you is to my, he, she says, to my brother's house. You know, my brother lives a ways away. You go there and, uh, and he'll take care of you. And it was justice. Because Jacob found somebody who was just like him but more seasoned. <laughs> and... And he, he was a conniver. And, uh, and so he, he, he's on his way. He's uh, actually he, heading out that way. But before he does, his, his dad gives him one more blessing. He kind of finishes the blessing. And he says this over, over um, Jacob in Genesis 27, 28. I'll read it. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven, of the fatness of the earth, 
and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be those who bless you. He gives them basically the blessing of Abraham. And, uh, and, and as he goes, so he's running for his life. And on his way, he, you know, it gets dark and, uh, and something happens. And uh, the scripture says, in, and we'll read this, in Genesis 28, verse 10, if you want to turn there, it'll be on the screen as well. But it says, now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it under his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed. Behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac, the the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. This is actually the first time God reveals himself as the I am in in this, in, in the name of God. And he says in verse 14, also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and the east, to the north and the south. And in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God is reaffirming the, the blessing and the promise that he gave to Abraham, to Jacob. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until you have, you have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. Have you ever been like awakened to the fact that God was near and you had c- completely been oblivious to it? Something happens and all of a sudden you sense the presence of God. Something happens and all of a sudden God moves on your behalf. Maybe it was a time where you thought certainly you were done for and God showed up and moved. And you were not aware. You had forgotten. You had, you had not even perceived the fact that God was there the whole time. He was there watching over you. He was caring for you. See, this is, this is a, a shock to, to Jacob. All of a sudden, he is having an encounter with God. By the way, he had not had. And now he's having an encounter with God. Because the blessing is more than just physical stuff. You see, it's more than just more. It's it's. In fact, the blessing, the biggest part of the blessing is that, that he blesses you with everything you need spiritually. That God, that, that, that everything you need, God provides for you. And that here's the greatest thing, is that God is with you wherever you go. And he's telling him, listen, I'm here. I'm here and I'm with you and uh, and." And Jacob says, um, you know, I, uh, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. <clears throat> this encounter with God um, gave him a healthy fear of God. You know, it's a, he- a healthy fear. There's a healthy, and then there's an unhealthy fear. There's an unhealthy fear that causes you to run from God. There's a healthy fear that causes you to fall down and worship God. That healthy fear is one that all of us need. And when you've encountered God in that way, that he really shows up. Because we we get real prideful and arrogant in some of our, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm saying we as human beings, you know, about God. People shake their fists at God. And if God just showed up, you know, those fists would go to. <laughs> and, and, and even us, 
who love God and have an intimacy and relationship with God and we talk to him every day and he talks to us. There's a certain amount of, if, of his glory being revealed at a certain level causes us to go, That's happening to him, you know? Oh, it's you. Oh, God. Oh, it's you. And so God shows up, and he calls the place the house of God, he says. This is the gate of heaven. And and Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone that he had put on his head and set it it, uh, up as a pillar and poured oil on it on top of it so this is a, a he makes this kind of altar and he called the name of the place Bethel which means house of God but the name of the city had had been Luz pre- previously and Jacob made a vow saying if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I can come back to my father's house in peace then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone, which I have set as a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. So he's, he, he's going to tithe to God because of God's goodness to him. You understand? He's giving back. Of course, that's kind of interesting. He says, he says I will give you a part of what you gave me. It's yours, but I'm going to give you 10%. And there's, no, um, there's, no, there's nothing where God says that you have to do this at this point. He, he does later when Moses gives the law. He, he requires that of the people to, give, to, to tithe. Uh, but at this point, it's just simply that Jacob is feeling it. His dad did it. He did it. And his, and his grandpa did it. His grandpa took and gave as he was receiving from God, he wanted to give to God. I think there's a principle there, an understanding. In fact, the concept of tithing that actually goes back beyond um, the giving of the law. You see, it starts as a principle in the hearts of the patriots where they said, well, I'm going to give back to God. And they felt compelled to do that. So, at the at one of the worst times in Jacob's life, he's running for, from, for his life. He's, he's leaving his family behind. He's going off um, now on his own. And at that point is when God blesses him because he has been a blessing chaser. He, because he's been a blessing chaser, at the moment that he needs it the, mo- the most, God shows him that he's right there with him. I'm going to bless you. I'm blessing you. I'm taking care of you. See, the blessing is in the, it's not just in the action of God, but it's in the promise of God. And that God tells him ahead of time, listen, you don't have to worry about these things. Isn't it a blessing to know you don't have to worry about these things that come? It, some of us are taking taking advantage of the promises and blessing some of us are doing that because there's all kind of talk about you know what's coming down the road and all the negative things that kind of are are, you know anticipated worst case scenarios that are just being thrown out there about the economy about the culture about judgment all kinds of things and you can take advantage of the blessing that says but God's with me see I'm a child of God and he's made promises to me. I don't know what's going to happen to everybody else, but I got this, you know, I got this promise from God. And, and you take advantage of that. You live that out, and you don't spend all your time worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. You live in the joy of today, you see. And you live in the joy of his promises and his premise. And so uh, now he says, so... Um, <clears throat> Jacob goes off, and he, well, he meets his future wife right away, and, uh, and that was an, a, a God moment as he goes to the well, and, and, uh, and his bride is there, 
our future bride is there, Rachel, and he's gonna, he falls in love right away and he finds out that she's the daughter of Laban. And so she, they go, he goes to the house and Laban takes him in and embraces him. In fact, he runs out when he finds out because Rachel tells the story of how he rolled the rock away from the, the well and water was, they were able to get water and, and he hugs him and just says, come on in and does all the, the host kind of things. And, and uh, he's there about a month. And Laban says, you know, I can't just have you be here um, without us paying you. What he really means is, you can't freeload anymore. <laughs> You're going to have to work for this. And so he gets him working, and he's working, and, and then, then finally, um, it's kind of like, what would you work for? And he says, well, I want your daughter, Rachel. So, so I'll, I'll, I'll give me seven years of work, labor. That's a lot. I'm worked seven years for that lady. He's in love. Right, he's in love, and he does, and uh, and the you know that that even the, the evening of their wedding there was a bait and switch, because she, because the older daughter who was the Bible says she had, well it depends on interpretation, but some of the some just say she had humble eyes. <laughs> You're looking for the best, you know, the the best attribute, and uh, the best attribute she had humble eyes. So humble eyes it was, but he wanted, he wanted, the, he wanted Rachel, and she got, he got Leah. He woke up in the morning because they had veils, and they went to, to consummate the, their marriage, and wakes up in the morning and realizes he's got the wrong one. And Laban, of course, he goes, well, listen, that's just the way it is, and, you know, the oldest has to be married off before we have the youngest. But... If you'll work another seven years, you let her fulfill her week, I'll give you, I'll give you, Rachel. And you can, you can um, then work, her, work it off for the next seven years. So 14 years of labor. And he's got two wives, one that he really wanted and one he wasn't all that happy about. And, uh, and then, and then, then he's ready to go, but he doesn't have anything. He has no benefit from all this but the two wives and now he gets talked into continuing and it, a total of, of 20 years he, he stays or 20, 22 years I believe that he stays with, um, with um, Laban and, and he works and, and the, the deal is that the goats there are brown goats and there are spotted kind of goats. So you have the spotted goats and there's some white, there's white in them and then some that are just brown. And he says, you can have all the spotted ones. I'll take all the, Laban said, I'll take all the brown ones. So you, you cultivate the field. You take care of all the sheep and the goats and so forth. And then when it's all done, we'll split them and I'll take the brown ones. You take the, the spotted ones. Well, Jacob, this is how much he is such a man of faith. He goes and he takes and he, and he paints or strips a spike in the ground in the, the, to put it where the trough is and he makes it striped. So there's, there's white in it. And as the goats come, this is his assumption. They're going to look at that and they're going to birth spotted or white <laughs> goats. Isn't that, that's a plan. That works, doesn't it? Isn't that how it works? Of course it doesn't work, but it worked for him. (laughs) Why did it work for him? Because he had the blessing. We do a lot of really dumb stuff, and and God blesses it anyhow. We, we, We make decisions sometimes. He covers us because of the blessing. You know, it, his sin, it, it cost him. It's, you know, he, he, he didn't have to go through all of this with Laban to get what, he, what God had for him, but he did. Um, but in spite of that, God blessed him because he was a pursuer of the blessing. 
being a pursuer of the blessing, God blessed him. And so, in fact, Laban changed the wages 10 times. So after, you know, when, when all of a sudden all the you know, sheep and goats are, are spotted, he goes, wait, 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 wait. I meant I get the spotted ones, you get the brown ones. And he kept changing it until finally Jacob got tired of it and said, I'm getting out of here. And he did. And there's a story to that too and more about it. But when he's getting closer, he's finally to the place of getting back home and he hears that his brother has 400 men coming toward him. He gets scared now. He has grown. I mean, he's got a big family now. He's got a lot of kids. He's got, you know, he's got lots of you know, animals. He tries to send a gift forward, but his brother's coming and he is afraid. And he <clears throat> goes to get away and um, in Genesis 32, it says, and he rose that night, verse 22, it's Genesis 32, 22. He rose that night, took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, and crossed over the ford of Jacob. And he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. A man wrestled with him. We don't know who that man is. It's some theologians say that it, it is a Christology, Christon, that, that this is a pre-incarnation, um, that this is God in, in, come in human form before Christ. This is Christ. Some say, no, it's a representative God. It's an angel. It's not an argument for me to get into right now, but he wrestles, it says, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he, he saw that he did not prevail against him. Now, this is what's going on. He's wrestling with either God or an angel. Now, one angel killed 185, 83,000 Syrians one night. Guys, they're, they're just really bad dudes. I mean, you don't want to get in a fight with an angel, right? I mean, and so, but... But he's wrestling with him. What is that? Well, dads, you all know this. If you had, especially if you had sons. Daughters even too. You know? Or even granddaughters. I've had a few. that uh, They just want to wrestle with you. Right? And, uh, and so that's what you do when they're little. You wrestle with them and you let them win a little bit. And you win. And, you know, but finally you, you win, win the wrestling match. And that's how it goes. Until they get older. And it starts to hurt. Then you don't wrestle anymore. <laughs> That's how it works. But, but the point, point is, you know, this is what's going on. There's this wrestling match that is going on. And Jacob won't quit. And so it says, he touched a socket of his hip. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Now, that is a very painful thing. To have your socket of your hip go out. And he, and he said, let me go for the day it breaks. So this man, this angel, or it's the Lord saying, let me go. And he says, I will not let you go unless, unless you bless me. I'm not, I'm not letting go. I, I, he's in extreme pain. He has been beaten, but he is not letting go. I'm not letting go. That's what we need. It's not that we have to, we have to pry it out of God, but we have to desire it that much in our life. I want your blessing, God. You know, the, the, the priests were required or asked to bring the blessing to the people. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. What, what, what is that? That's the face of God. That's the blessing of God. That's, the, that's God looking in your eyes, you see. 
with love, the apple, you are the apple of his eye. Make his face to shine upon you. That's a blessing. Be gracious unto you. Give you peace. That's, this is, this is the desire of those who are most blessed. You've got to bless me, God. I, I can't, I, I can't, whatever it takes. I'll repent from anything that I need to repent from. I'll turn, Lord, to you fully. I, I, I won't, I, but Lord, I need your blessing above everything else. I, I, I hold on. I can't let you go. I've got to be blessed by you, God. I've got to be blessed by you. There was one added thing in this story, as you probably know, that, that the angel asks him, you know, what's his name? Maybe it's a reminder, because his dad asked him what was his name, and he said Esau. And now he says Jacob. But the angel or God's representative or God is saying, he says to him, no, not anymore. You're not heel catcher, you're not supplanter. You're not even the pursuer, you're not a chaser after you've got the blessing. You're a prince with God. You're Israel now. We're changing all that. You're not gonna be in the past. God has great things for your future. You're prevailed with God. How do you prevail with God? You don't quit till you get the blessing. That's how you do it. Well, Heavenly Father, uh, help us. Help us to be chasers after you, God. Lord, not because you haven't done all the work for us. It isn't because you're resistant to blessing us. It's just that, Lord, we're better people when we are fully pursuing you. And I pray, oh God, I pray that you would, Lord God, bless us. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give, and give you peace and give you peace.
be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening in your coming and your going in your weeping rejoicing he is for you 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 church the blessing of the lord be upon you god bless you we'll see you wednesday night uh, there's meet the pastors in the overflow room here the prayer room to your left if you want to meet god bless we sing I